When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yup, and welcome back to Talking Knicks. The Knicks are coming off a four-game week. It's looking like they're going to lose three out of the four. We're, we're live during the Magic game right now, and barring the best comeback in NBA history, that will be a loss. I'm joined by Tom Piccolo. Let's talk some Knicks, baby. The New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis. Post and toes up in his stuffing. Welcome back to Talking Knicks. It's you're you're listening. It could be November 12th, or maybe it's a little later than that. We're recording Sunday night during the Magic game. It's the fourth quarter, and it's not much of a game, unfortunately. So that won't distract us too much. I am joined today by Tommy Stats, Tommy Two Tone, Tom Tommy Wugoslowski. How you doing, bud? Jake, I am doing well. I am doing well. Uh, it is generous of you to call this a game, what's happening on the screen mm. right now. It is uh, pretty unpleasant to watch, but uh, we'll, we'll probably try and, and cover the other games a little more than this one. Yeah, it was, it was tough. I, I watched my, my UConn men play today, and they looked really good, fun basketball, a lot of good press defense and running. And then my Knicks come out and did this tonight, Tom, that was just – it's like – 10 points in the first quarter. It's an embarrassing, it's embarrassing. Well, you glossed over the shameless plug for, for talking Huskies, by Ooh. the way. So you set them up to put them down, Tommy. Um, but yeah, we, so we had the, well, Tom, let's, no, the basketball will be there. How, t- tell the folks about your weekend. I heard you had some family times. Yeah, had a lot of family times. My, uh, my mom's birthday is coming up. It's a big one. Shout out. Yeah, she she and uh, my dad came up from Doylestown, PA, up here to Connecticut, and we uh, we had some fun times. We we tried to escape in a room, uh, escape a room on Friday. Uh, it did not go as planned. It went about as poorly as this Magic game is currently going. We we got locked in that room, and we would have been there forever had it not been for the nice folks at the Skeleton Key letting Ooh. us out. Ad hashtag ad. Uh, yeah, I, I had a good chuckle. We talked about this before, and I asked you what their hint situation was because I, I always find that funny. There was one I did that you have like a walkie-talkie. There's, I've seen a couple that have like a TV in there, and it'll be like, check under the chest. And you're like, okay. And then at a certain point, you're like, are we getting the hints too often? Are we really escaping the room? But you told me the hint thing was down, and that actually cracked me up. Yeah, we uh, we did ask for a couple of hints, and then at some point they they popped in the door. They opened the door that was supposed to be locked. And like, look, it's it's broken right now, so you're on your own. Uh, good luck. <laughs> so have fun. So not only is the illusion of the door being locked <coughs> a phony, but have a good time. Well, we're we're glad you escaped eventually to have you here, Tommy. Um, I, we're we're gonna mix it up a little bit this week. We're we're gonna cover the games, but we. I think last week we stumbled into some conversations, which I, I really think that should be the meat and potatoes. But let's run through the games, Tom. We start off double OT loss to the Bulls. Um, 
you're Bulls. No, you've, you've never been a Bulls guy, right? You've got no, a little Pacers in your heart. I did live just outside Chicago for right. the first five years of my life. That was during prime Michael Jordan Bulls times. So, sure. uh, I mean, yeah, growing up, we actually did – there was some Bulls fandom mixed in. I remember my parents got us some jerseys. They got my twin brother the Michael Jordan jersey and me the Scottie Pippen jersey. That's tough. What, what, what am I supposed to think of that as a child? I don't, and, I don't know. In hindsight, that's a brutal one. Yeah, we did like, not. We what's did that, not what's that conversation? I'll tell you what, we had to hash it out in the, in the room that we were locked in. <laughs> it came around 25 years later. Um, Tommy, Los Bulls, they're, uh, they're another young team that we're going to be competing for in the lottery. Uh, Zach Levine hangs a 41 burger. He's actually looked pretty good this season. He's, he's usually on my list of inefficient guys. I don't like, but he, he can be really fun to watch. Uh, Blankney off the bench from, from the G league shout out LSU boy. Um, I mean, what do we think about this game? What, what do we like? What do we dislike? Well, the, the first thing I think we should mention is that Tim Hardaway Jr., our leading scorer, was out with back soreness. I think he tweaked something in that Wizards game. They tried yes. to bring him back a little early. Um, but, yeah, so he was out. So we were looking for our offense elsewhere. It was, Trier, it was Alonzo Trier's first start of his career, which is pretty right. exciting. Youngest, um, youngest Knicks lineup, starting lineup ever. Yeah, that's a little fun tidbit for you. Uh, Trier started out ice cold, couldn't hit anything. I don't think he even had his first field goal until fourth quarter, I think it was. Um, but he ended up being kind of the go-to guy down the stretch. I mean, Fizdale kept calling his number every time there was a big possession. It was just an iso-zo play trying to limit the possibility of a turnover. And, uh, and you know, sometimes he delivered, others, other times he didn't. And that's is better than what you'd expect from an undrafted rookie you know shooting guard yeah and i mean perusing through the the box score if if you didn't watch this game i mean it's a little shocking i uh our buddy john boy we we were another plug john boy and jake radio check it out um but he checked out his box score because i want to talk about it mitchell robinson and frank both go scoreless uh getting the start which hot take that's not a great strategy Man, we'll, we'll we'll get to Frank, I'm sure, a lot more. Yeah. Uh, it was a very up and down, but mostly down week for Frank. But, um, yeah, it, that in double OT, going scoreless, that's that's a lot of extra minutes he got there to, to try and get on the board and just didn't happen. Yeah, that's, that's tough. 0 for 6 in 16 minutes. Cantor has a big game, 23 and 24. That's 23 points, 24 rebounds, 9 offensive boards, 7 assists from the Cant man. No one calls him that. Uh, Hazon, you got some buckets. Moutier with a decent game. Um, but yeah, Nick, Nick's losing double OT. It was coming off of a back-to-back, and you had Tim Hardaway not playing, so it, I just felt like a big shrug. Like, we're okay we lost. Tim didn't play. This is what it is. Yeah, there was some of that. I, I also wonder just what your thoughts are on Frank not getting that many minutes. I mean, really no minutes in crunch time. Uh like the possibility of him being able to defend Zach Levine may have been there. Uh, it just, there was, we had no answers for him down the stretch. So I wonder like, do you think Nilakina should have been getting some more minutes, like doing a little offense defense there? Or and Tom, so ineffective? It, it's a great point because I think if this, if Hornacek was still the coach, we'd be killing him right now saying you got to play Frank out there We're you're playing a young team. You can try him out on some different matchups. Um, 
Yeah, no, I I think it'll be interesting to watch. I think Fisdale's been very open that early in the season he's still trying out a lot of different stuff. But I mean, later in the season, the the end game isn't winning this year. I I, I know we say that probably too much, but I you, you can't just let Frank go sad puppy dog the whole game, you know? Yeah, Fisdale has definitely earned a little uh, a longer rope, I guess, from from Knicks fans, but. I can't imagine that being something that he he sticks with as far as a game plan. Like you need you need Frank playing minutes, you need him playing important minutes, and so it, yeah, seeing that he just couldn't even get in the game uh, some, during some of the biggest defensive possessions, it, it did not uh, say much for for Fisdale's confidence in Frank, at least in that game. Right, and if you're if you're going to come out with these quotes that you think Frank is this all world defender, if he's having a bad offensive night, you still kind of got to roll him out there, but. And I, I think that segues us into the Hawks game. So we head to Atlanta, get a nice little W, uh, 112 to 107. Uh, Frank does bounce back a little bit, five for 10 from the field, two or four from three, 14 points. Uh, we like that. Tim Hardaway Jr., revenge game against his old team. Him and uh, DeAndre Bembry were exchanging words, Tom. Um and and I don't know. I, I the box score is not screaming anything to me. It looks like the game you expect Enos Cantor to play, and then everyone else played kind of solid. Isozo with a good night off the bench. Um, what what did what did you see here, Thomas? I think one of the most compelling things there is probably on the other side of the ledger, and that was how Frank was able to also not have a good just a good offensive game. He sh- shut down Trey Young, who's yeah. I mean, granted, he's had some on and off nights, right? Some games he's blown up, other games he's kind of shut down himself. Right. But, uh, I mean, I, we call him out all the time. Nick's Film School, they put together this really nice video of Frank's defense on Young, and he just, I mean, he was really all over him. They compared him to just a, a cover cornerback. And uh, Trey Young finished 6-19, won a 7 from 3, and just um, really couldn't get going all night. And that was much because of Frank. Yeah, and that's Tom. I I think the the bigger takeaway from that is that we, you know, where Frank is heading as a player, like Trey Young, like the, these new scoring point guards, like Steph Curry. Obviously, we're in different worlds, but Trey Young models his game after that. Uh, Jamal Murray, those types. Frank can be such a weapon on those guys with his length and speed combination that if you can if you can come into one of those matchups and you have a stopper. For one of those guys who's, you know, Steph, uh, well, this is a whole nother debate, but Steph is a huge part of Golden State. I'm not, not going to say who's the heart of that team and do that whole argument. Uh, but Jamal Murray, we saw him go off against the Celtics this week. If Frank can, if you're a smaller guard and you know that you're coming into a Frank game and he's going to terrorize you, that's that's a big win for the Knicks going forward. Oh, yeah. A lot of these offenses are built around these often score first point guards who can pull up off the dribble and create offense that way. You're talking Kemba Walker has been incredible this season. Damian Lillard's doing that. Um, so yeah, that Kyrie Irving's another one. So that's a, that's a huge asset if you have a, a defensive stopper like that. And it does seem like Frank does well against some of these smaller guards. I, that's why I would like to see him try and go up against Levine. who's a little bit more of a, a swing man. Right. Type who's not really one of these smaller guards. We'll, we'll give you a little more body. Um, yeah, the I, only other I'd, I'd say takeaways. I mean, the the Hawks are <laughs> maybe the biggest competition for the lottery this year. 
and I, I guess I'll, I'll let you talk about it quickly. Um, cause I, I think I, I've made my point on this. I'm like, someone asked me if I was sad, we won this game cause it was at Atlanta. Um, no, I, I think every now and then you, you need one or two of these wins to, to keep, to keep morale <laughs> above sea level on the ship. No, I completely agree. You can't you can be stringing together all these losses week after week and still expect the team to play hard and develop the right, you know, intangibles. <laughs> Getting this win, I, I actually will never really be upset about a win, I don't think. I, I mean, unless for some reason those at the end of the year when, when yeah. teams are like legitimately tanking, like sitting their best players, that's a little frustrating. But when, when teams are going full board like with all their players, their full roster, then you try and win. That's how the game is played. So I, I like to think that there's something like the basketball gods will – reward you if you if you do it the right way we're yeah and it's uh you know we're hoping to get a durant Kyrie, someone in the off season you, you got to win a couple of these games so they they can look at him be like okay i can do something with tim hardaway jr knox frank whoever else they bring on board um and i think that stock talking about a segue tom stringing together losses we go to the great north and and see our friends the toronto rappers 12 and 1 this year tom um Turn, turns out that Kawhi Leonard guy can still ball out a little bit. <laughs> they, they only needed him for 23 minutes, and he only scored 12 points. But this this is kind of what this Raptors team has done for a couple years now. They're, you're going to have Anobi, Jonas Valanciunas, Delone <laughs> Valanciunas. That that came off funny. Uh, Delone Wright. Like they they just come at you from all angles, and they just beat the Knicks. Pascal Siakam with 23 points. Mm, your boy. Yeah, is that a career high for him? I'm I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> I don't even think we have to look it up. I, I'm comfortable saying <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't I don't need any backing on that. Um, Work your gut on that one. I, I just think like that's an extremely balanced Raptors offense there, and I mean, yeah, the the Knicks really had a hard time stopping them. Obviously, giving up 128 points. So I mean, hanging 112 on them isn't isn't bad, but in the competitive portion of the game, I, actually, I, I was. I forgot that, like, with five minutes left in the third or something, it was a five-point game. You forget that, like, they got kind of close there um, in the third there, and then and then it got, kind of got away from them. Yeah, and it's I, – I mean, it's call a spade a spade. Toronto is a good team. They're going to be one of the best teams in the East, uh, no, and unless you're ready to give your Jimmy Butler take right now, Tom. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. This is a game that you didn't expect to win. Uh, the bench actually brings a solid performance. Knox, Azonia, Cantor, Moutier, um, they're all in double digits. Again, kind of nothing out of Frank, Mitchell Robinson, and Von Ley. And we're, I, I guess if we're starting to see a trend, if, if we get something out of those guys, <laughs> I mean, hot take, if three of your players play better, you're going to be in more games. But if, if those guys give you nothing, I mean, those are like two and a half starters for us right now. Yeah, the only bright side for Frank was the four steals, but uh, and and four assists, I guess, in his limited minutes. He he has been pretty good distributing, but you need to see him more aggressive offensively. And two of eight from the field, one of four from three. It's just been such a such an up and down shooting couple weeks for him. So, um, uh, yeah, you can't expect to win games with with multiple starters putting up four and five points. And the team goes six for 22 from three. That's no good. Um, and again, partial credit to the Raptors. They're a good team. This is what they do. Um, and then, Tom, as we, as we opened with, and it's now 115 to 83 in the garden against the Orlando Magic. 
Uh, the Knicks get trounced tonight, and it's just terrible basketball. That's there's there's not a better way to put it. The, I mean, you can kind of explain it away with the back to back thing, but this is a home game against the Orlando Magic, so it's it's a pretty embarrassing showing from them. I I, I can't imagine Fizdale's happy with that. Frank only playing five minutes and forty five seconds. That is just atrocious. I don't know if he, what he did to offend Fizdale, but that that's pretty inexcusable. Five minutes for Frank. Yeah, and I mean, what if you're Fizdale again? The, the the press has to ask after the game. Ron Baker on his fifth minute of action, by the way. Um, I mean, if you're Fizdale, what do you say? What what do you tell the media if they say, why didn't you give Frank more run tonight in his first five minutes? He didn't look good. Because I don't think that's a good excuse. <laughs> we know there's going to be five-minute stretches where he doesn't look good because he's a 20-year-old guy who has been struggling a bit on the offensive end. Well, it's not just that. It's, it's that who, who was looking good. It's right. Like, <laughs> you can't point to, like, Moutier's performance, three points on one of three shooting in his 13 and a half minutes, or mm-hmm. Trier only played 10 minutes, finished with four points. I guess – I mean, Trey Burke got 16. He really spread out those those guard minutes. But I mean, yeah, there, there's no there's no good reason to play Frank five minutes, even if his effort was poor for five minutes. He he's got to get a second shot. Isn't this game was out of hand pretty early on? So I, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But uh, right, but this this should be a learning experience. This should be like you'd almost want this game to be a 35 minutes from Frank, where you know Fizdale says you know, throw him to the wolves, figure it out. Um, you know, DJ Augustine is running the point for your Orlando magic. We just talked about these smaller guards that Frank should be able to terrorize. I mean, it's the DJ Augustine show didn't get us tonight and, and it hasn't gotten many teams through the years, but yeah, I, I, Frank has to be out there and Tom, I think we're also going to have an impressive feat where none of our starters are going to score double digits. I don't think no, none of our starters finish with over seven points that's so bad man that hurts my soul it's not like the magic are some lockdown defensive team they're running out like Vucevic and Evan Fournier it's a that is a bleak bleak statement I I don't know that we can go too much longer on this game and that's yeah they like they were given the magic credit early but I mean they didn't shoot insane they finish at 41 percent from three on the game um, yeah, just a, a really ugly loss. Terrence Ross, the boss, 22 points, shout out. Um, and yeah, I guess Kevin Knox with one of his better games, 17 points. So we'll, we'll take that. And Cantor, 16 and 15. That's just kind of what he's done now. And I think that'll bring us to, I, I called this Knicks talk with talking Knicks, Tom. There's, I mean, you know, sometimes I, I amaze myself with this, these witty things. You have a word uh, of words. <laughs> those words, those words, those words. Um, and I don't know, like I said earlier at the end of last show, we stumbled into some really good things, uh, with Kenny and Greg, we talked about, uh, like who the most entrenched Nick starters were. And that was kind of an eye opening conversation. So I kind of, I, I, I wanted to hit some of the big topics and I know you have a, uh, a written piece dropping tomorrow that, that has some of them in there. And I think I'm going to combine two of the items that I have on there right now. Uh, and you and I are going to have to eat some crow, Tom, because A, Trey Burke goes to DNP coaches' decisions, 
um, which I think ties into Moutier being pretty serviceable and playing decent ball this week, which there's going to be some egg on our face because we thought Trey Burke <laughs> had a chance to become uh, most improved player, <laughs> six man of the year type. Uh, and it looks like his opportunity has really fizzled out. Man, if you go back and listen to our player preview projection, that Trey Burke one is depressing. We Tough. were, I mean, I know before the season I called him the the best playmaker on the Knicks, and I kind of I, I wrote about this. You mentioned in the piece I I, uh, I just wrote for the B Ball Index. I um I did like three observations, two questions, and a prediction. And one of my questions was, what happened to Trey Burke? Like. He's still a, one of the uh, highest net positives on the team. When he's in, good things have happened. Um, the team is something like six points per 100 possessions better when Trey Burke is on the court versus when he's off. Hmm. He, he still has he has the highest assist percentage on the team. So he assists on 23% of made buckets when he's on the court. That's by far the highest on the team. So I, I think – you know, he's, he struggled a little bit with his shot, especially from the mid-range to start the season, and that, that made his minutes fluctuate. Um, Fisdale didn't, didn't trust him as much. He'd, give him, uh, he'd yank him early and sort of just play around with his minutes. And I think what ended up happening was is a mess with his confidence, and he's gotten to the point where he kind of tries to do too much when he's out there. He's like, I don't know how many minutes I'm going to get this game, so I need to jack up some shots. And he really forces the issue and ends up hurting. It, it looks like he's been hurting the team when he's been out there. Uh, in, in some of his more recent action. Yeah, and I, I was – I'm, I'm going to walk all over myself because that's what I'm good at. But tonight, the Magic are blowing us out of the water. Like this – and we talked about Frank not playing. This kind of seems like a break glass in case of emergency, bring in Trey Burke and see if he's got it. Because if Trey Burke has a hot night, he can kind of give you something. Uh, he comes in, he finishes with – he goes 5 of 13, 0, 0, 0 for 3 from 3, uh, 10 points, 5 assists, so an okay night. Um, but, yeah, I get, I, 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 maybe this ties into more of a point guard problem. We've got Frank at 6 minutes, Moutier with 17, Burke with 20. It, I guess it's one of those things, if these guys are all playing well, you say it's, it's a good problem. Right now it's a bad problem. <laughs> I I mean it has it's almost been like a non-issue like no it's just no one's playing well so like you have a bunch of guys not playing well but I will say that that Trier has been solid he's been like putting up efficient numbers but he's just a very different player than Burke I know some of the perception of Burke is he's he's very shoot first and 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 he'll take a, his a questionable shot selection but I I disagree like I know he's capable of of creating for others and that's such a huge need for this Knicks team, which is the worst statistically the worst passing team in the league. I wrote about this too in my in my piece. Right, they average the the fewest assists per game. They assist on like the least number or least percentage of their made shots. Um, and and a big part of that has been guys like you meant we mentioned Cantor, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Trier. Like in the past five games. Trier has been unassisted on 70% of his made buckets. He's just been doing it himself. And uh, it's, it's not a great formula to win ball games. So I, I personally would like to see some more Trey Berkman's just to, just to get the ball moving a little bit more. Yeah, and you, I, 
it's a huge a huge fact in stat you just dropped. The Knicks are the the worst passing team in the league. Um, and again, you wonder when you're Fizdale and you're these coaches, they have to be hammering that away at that, no? And then how? I mean, I know that Isozo is going to do his thing for a couple minutes a game. You know, Cantor can be a little bit of a black hole when he gets it in the post, but he's at least he's producing. Um, I, I mean, what do you say? What do you do? Well, a, f- a few notes on that. Like, the funny thing is Cantor is actually averaging the most assists per game in his career. It's not a great number. It's just it's 2.2 per game. But he's actually been okay at times passing the ball. And, and one, of the, uh, one of the observations I made in my article was that Cantor's really developed some nice chemistry with Mario Hazonia. Okay. Like, he's actually – Hazonia is the guy who's been the beneficiary of the most of Cantor's assists – which you wouldn't have expected. Jeez. And I put together this montage of just all these backdoor cuts. It's like I compared it to Kylo Quinn and Doug McDermott. It is a, it was really surprising to go through Cantor's assists and to see the, the trends. It's all to Hazonia and him just have like a mind meld, which is a scary thing to think. I would love to see when the opposing team, you know, the, the Oklahoma City's rolling through town and they're going through the scouting point. Watch, watch out for the Cantor Hazonia connection and Russell Westbrook just being like, "You're joking! <laughs> what connection?" Yeah. That was just a little fun fact I wanted to drop in there. But um, what well, one other thing to to note, especially with Trier, is he actually has shown that he's very good off ball as well. Especially especially in that Hawks game, he was a uh, he was playing off the ball from Frank and from Tim Hardaway Jr. and and really did some like. What happens is on the on the other side of the floor, you get have some kind of action, like a side pick and roll, and that just creates some havoc in the defense. So by the time it swings to Trier, like the defense is a little scrambled, it's a little off balance, and so so Trier actually is just more effective attacking. He's he's so crafty when when defenses are set. Imagine how good he is against like a scrambled defense, and it's just it, it just means that Fizdale needs to implement some more sets, some more motion to try and to try and get Trier in these positions where he's able to score even more efficiently. And they like Trier with the ball in his hands, Tom. It, it feels like he's running the point out there sometimes, which is a little exciting, but also a little terrifying. I get it to, to end quarters and to end games. They, they, that's such a thing that I mean Fisdale even said that like his team doesn't trust the pass in (laughs) which is not ideal but like that's just such a a trope of NBA offenses they slow down they get to their best offensive player they don't want to do too much because they might turn it over and it might be like a pick six on the other end and like game over that way so they they slow it down they do the iso heavy thing and like that's what Trier's definitely skilled that way he's very good at beating his man one-on-one but uh yeah like i'm very partial especially during the flow of the game to to have trier play off ball and to, and to get the ball in the, the hands of some of the better playmakers like frank like uh trey burke and even even moodier yeah and i i, I guess i'm trying to because it, <laughs> it's easy to list the Knicks problems i'm trying to put the answer together in my head and i i guess for me it's 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 going to be, you know, in a perfect world, they're probably saying, yeah, you know, Frank plays 18, Moutier plays 18, Trey Burke plays 18, and they all have good nights. That's not going to happen, and I, I guess it goes into scouting and matchups, but 
I don't know. Give give these guys some rope and run for it. Whether it's the the next three game as a road trip, give Moutier thirty minutes a night. If you like what he's doing, let's actually see it. Because uh, otherwise, you're just. I mean, how Frank Frank Nilakina walks away from tonight's game saying, you know, I'm I'm probably gonna have a great game tonight. We we've got the magic coming into town. My I've been working on my shot. I'm gonna go thirty minutes. I'm gonna score twenty points, eight assists, three steals, three blocks. He plays a bad six minutes and he's done. And that's that's terrible for a young player. Yeah, I'd imagine that'd be pretty crippling to, to his confidence. And it's not like it's sky high at this point um, <laughs> to begin I, with. I guess, Tom, I can't have you talk about those six minutes, no points games. That's more my realm. You were you were you were at least getting in the lane and getting getting to the free throw line when you needed to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would be nice to see Frank get to the free throw line, even even like once. Uh, right. It's just a product of aggressiveness and some confidence, and also earning the whistle from the refs. Like the refs need to have like some belief that you can can draw fouls. There has to be some history of you doing it. So um, isn't that crazy? Are, are there? Does anyone track anything around that? Like, can you make that analytical at all? I bet you definitely could. I haven't seen anything huh. written on that, but that, that's worth looking at, like the, the rookie whistle versus the veteran whistle. Shoot. We, we, I think we just stumbled into gold per usual. Um, and then, Tom, the, the other thing that I had listed here is one of the big topics, and I, I mean, if you're looking for Nick's storyline, uh, Bench Canner has, has been balling pretty well. He's putting up these 15 and 15 games. Uh, he's one of these weird things where he's audibly not happy with the role, but he's doing well in the role, but he's still not happy with it, but he's, he's like pretending to be happy with it. He still puts up the happy Instagram post before the game. Um, dude, what, what, have you seen anything change with him? Is it just kind of playing against second units? Do we want to see him used in a different way? I think his best role probably is as like a, a second unit scorer beaten up opposing bench big men. I mean, he he has continued to struggle defensively. We've noted that in every crunch time situation he's been in, it's a high screen and roll to get Cantor switched on, and that's easy offense. So, like, I mean, it happened in the Bulls game over and over again. They got Cantor either switched on to Levine or they messed up the switch, and it's just, I mean, it, it's – it has not been pretty for Canner on that end, but look, he's scoring extremely efficiently. He's grabbing a ton of boards. Sometimes he's kind of rebound chasing. I, I've heard, okay, I've heard NBA Twitter complain that he'll like instead of even like trying to contest a shot, he'll already be turning right. around, and grab a rebound. Um, so th- I mean, it's just it's it's things to watch out for, like. Just does Cantor play winning basketball? Like he he definitely talks the, the game of like being team first and rah rah and all this. But does he at the end of the day actually play team basketball? It's it's debatable. It's worth it's worth debating. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. And I, Tom, I don't want to put you on the spot too much because this is a little bit of an unfair question. You you wonder if there would be a trade market for Cantor? He's got the expiring contract. I mean, I'm not expecting much coming to the Knicks because, hey, right now this guy's a bench player on the Knicks. Um, I just kind of want to see him in some real games because it it feels like when you see him right and he's grabbing these rebounds, offensive rebounds, and doing good moves in the post, like I want to see that <laughs> in, not in a Knicks magic game, you know? 
I just wonder what the market is like for him among teams that are playoff bound. Like who needs a backup center, uh, like a one-way backup center? Who's, right. Like it's just – it's not uh, – like that type of player is already out there on a lot of solid teams anyway. Like Valanchunas you mentioned, he's right. very similar to Cantor in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> the market for the one-way overpaid backup center. You just can't – you can't get the payment you used to, Tom. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I don't know. I, I guess in, in this section, is there anything like anything from your article? I know you said it was the, the three, two, and one. Any, anything you think needs to get out there from that? Um, I mean, one thing I'm thinking of is uh, it's kind of funny. So the Knicks are sixth in the league in forcing turnovers. And that's, that's good. Like, right. The weird thing is they're second to last in fast break points <laughs> like their turnovers that they that they generate they don't translate to easy baskets it, and like it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense you so you think like maybe they the turnovers they produce are like dead ball turnovers are they taking a lot of charges are they causing are they forcing like travels or bad passes out of bounds because then that's not going to lead to fast breaks right but they are in the top half, half half of the league in steals per game and like their their mentality has been to get out and run. So I'm just it, I really don't know the answer. Like, why are they so bad at fast breaks? That's wild. Like I, I again try to put yourself in the coach's shoes. We're for, we're forcing these turnovers, but we can't turn them into layups or open shots on the other end. That's uh that's interesting, and that's something Tim Hardaway is supposed to be great about. So you you wonder if that develops at all. It's it's also a lot of young players. Maybe there's a learning curve to that. That uh. You know, a fast break isn't a fast break, but it is, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you've, you've seen me run the break, and it's not pretty. There's going to be a lot of contact and an ugly layup. But I don't know. Like, again, I keep putting you on the spot here because you're going to have the better angle for it. But what do you say as a coach? <laughs> well, I mean, the reason I even looked into that stat was because I noticed, like, several botched fast breaks where, like, they'd be, they'd be running um, – I think it was against the Hawks and, and Trier like kind of, you know how you usually like fan out and sort of run in towards the basket. Sure. Trier kind of got ca- caught between going in for, a, he was off the ball and like got caught between going in for a layup and running to three. So he ended up catching the pass, like three steps in from the three point line and had to dribble backwards on a fat mm. break and shoot like a, a three from the corner going away. And it was just the ugliest thing. And after that, I was like, okay, I got to see if this is like a trend. And you know they're they're only averaging nine points per game in fast break. It's it's um Jeez. It, it's really really bad, especially considering how much how much youth they have. And like you think Mitchell Robinson and Frank and Tim Hardaway Jr. and like a lot of fast players who want to get uh, downhill, get north south. Like Moutier is another one, and uh, I mean Dotson. He's he's actually pretty good in transition, but it just hasn't translated to, to team success. Yeah, that's uh. That was some gut wrenching stuff, Tom. And I let's uh we'll, we'll we'll bring it to the awards. We'll have some fun with it. I I didn't have an award coming in, but I do now, so I'm gonna roll with it, Tom. And it's it's a guy we haven't talked about too much yet, but uh, I'm giving out the Mister Nine Award. And Go on. If, Go if on. you knew if you knew the connection, I'd be shocked because it's a new development. Uh, you I. 
besides being a guy that, that likes to talk about heart and passion and grit and coming off the bench and, and making hell, um, Tom, Mitchell Robinson had nine blocks tonight. Really? That's, uh, and again, in a game you lost by 30 to the Magic. But A, we haven't talked about him too much, so I thought I'd bring him up. B, this is where this guy is supposed to make his bread and butter and be kind of the rim runner type on offense. What are what are some of your early feelings on Mitchell Robinson? We've been seeing him play pretty serious minutes for the past couple weeks now. Um, is this guy absolute second round steal? Does this guy look like an NBA starter? Is this guy <laughs> just a starter because he's on the Knicks? Is it a little bit of all three? Well, he's currently just a starter because he's on the Knicks, but I totally could see him having a starting role in the league. I mean, he, he's got so many tools. He dunks anything near the rim. It's pretty awesome. It's it's That's something you like to see is just someone fearlessly attack the rim, and like he'll do it on, on pick and rolls. He'll do it on, on putbacks. Um, the guy's a freak of nature. So nine blocks is still very impressive. It's very surprising. Uh, I don't know what his previous high was. But, uh, yeah, if he could turn into a rim protector, too, then that's a, a hugely valuable player. I mean, him and Kristaps together, Porzingis has already been multiple seasons one of the best rim protectors in the league. So if you could pair those two together, that would be a, a freakishly long front court. Right, and that's what I've been to. And his, his, so his previous high in blocks was last game at Toronto with three. So this is a big of, bit of a leap. Um and again, so weird. This <laughs> the Knicks got killed tonight. Um, but I, I guess something that I'd been excited about, ex- except tonight's game took a lot of the steam out of me, is I, I talked about, you know, you want to collect some wins. You want to look appealing for Kevin Durant and Kyrie this year that they can come in and be like, wow, there's nights when Tim Hardaway can get buckets and he can be a really solid scorer. Frank can do a lot of good stuff on defense. If you start adding, you know, the threat of Alonzo Trier, he's a guy that can come in and, and, and get buckets when he wants to. Mitchell Robinson, if he can be a legit rim protector, like you said, now we're starting to build the supporting pieces of, of what we want this Knicks team to be next year, the next five years. And you want to show that the organization knows what it's doing, that they can draft in the right. second round and, and get undrafted players. I mean – I, I keep coming back to Dotson. Like, that's the type of player you need to draft if you want to start building a team that's going to win games. Like a two-way wing who can who can hit threes, who can defend, who can attack off the dribble a little bit as a secondary playmaker. Like, I, I mean, I'm Kenny's been all over Dotson for a long time. I love the guy this year. Um, so he's exciting. He's not my award, though. Oh, well, keep, keep it rolling, Hambone. What do you got? So this is actually coming out of my prediction from my column I just wrote. Okay. Um, my, my prediction was that Kevin Knox will score 30 points in the next 30 days. Okay. A couple okay. games to watch out for. Home against the Brooklyn Nets in December. And, uh, and then there's another game uh, coming up pretty soon, I think. But Kevin Knox is like... He's too big. He's too skilled. He 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 had those seven games he missed with the ankle injury. So he, he he had those two games following that where he played less than ten minutes. He really didn't look like he was fully back, fully healthy. But he's going to be rounding back out into form. He's going to be getting back into shape. 
And, like, look, he is no shortage of confidence. He's going to get his shots up. And uh, I could totally see him. Like, he has too much talent to not have some kind of breakout game or something that we can point to, you know, down the road and be like, oh, that's when we knew, like, he was going to be something else. And I just think that at some point, I'm I'm pegging it for early December, that uh, he's going to have a 30-point game. 30 for 30. I like it. Um, yeah, and he he ended up leading the Knicks in scoring tonight with 17. Uh, not the most impressive stat line. He does go to the free throw line 10 times, which which we like that, and the team needs more of that. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll be interested to see. We, we've talked about it previously that Fizdale has mentioned he's kind of looking at these games in five-game stretches to, to do some different things. Uh, I think we got to get Knox starting again. I and it's funny, man. I, I I went to his game logs and his his player page when when you brought him up, uh, dude. He's nineteen, Tom. He's um, barely nineteen. He's like nineteen and two months or something. It's crazy. Yeah, um, ninety two days, Tom. So August eleventh. Mark 19, it down. Nineteen and three months. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, we we want to see him start, right? I'd love, love to see him start. Um, I think the, the other game, by the way, was Monday, December 3rd at home against the Washington Wizards. I think by mm. then they're going to be a wreck by then. <laughs> and, uh, and they really don't have any like wing stoppers. Like it's not like, maybe Markeith Morris is going to match up on Knox, but like Otto Porter's too small. Kelly Oubre's too small. So I could see that, that Wizards home game in December. I could listen to you talk about Kelly Oubre all day. Supreme. <laughs> team supreme um, but yeah i mean knox is just he's so young he who would he start for um that's the question where, where do you think he'd fit in so okay I, I like this game to to kind of bring us towards the end if if i'm rolling a starting lineup out there if I, C- coach jake scary um i want frank out there i think i want I want Hardaway. I want Dotson. I want Knox. And then I want Mitchell Robinson, I guess. I, I guess you're kind of smallish, um, but then you're kind of leaning on Mitchell Robinson to, you know, protect the rim, big guy. Uh, what, what do you got? What do you, what do you hate? What do you like about that? I think that's your answer. I mean, the only yeah. thing you could consider swapping is if, like, you wanted to put Vonley as your center over Mitchell Robinson and, and bring him around more slowly. Um, but just cause he, because Robinson's so raw, but I, I think that what you said is probably the way to go. Um, Vonley, he was really impressive early on and, and I think he has a great motor, but that, that skill set's better suited for the bench. And I mean, we're, we're what 15% into the season. That's a really weird way to look at it. Um, and, and we're going to see some more sampling and I guess, I guess the interesting thing to juggle that we wouldn't think about is, I don't know, someone like Noah Vonley, Mario Hazonia, they've done some things in this league. They can, they can play. So, I mean, you're, you, just to bury them behind a Kevin Knox or Frank is a little unfair, I guess, for now. But, I mean, we, we, if we're going to complain about it with Hornacek, we got to bring it to Fizz, even though he's a cool guy. But we, we got to see these young guys out there more. And I know Knox just came off the injury. But, I mean, give me that young lineup and show me what happens. 
I know I talked about it, I think in the last pod I was on, just you want to see these guys earn it. You don't want a situation in Philadelphia where it seems like uh, Markel Fultz's starting spot and minutes in general are sort of handed to him on a silver platter, and it creates some tension. Like there are players who feel like they've genuinely earned minutes, and no matter what they do, they aren't rewarded with that playing time, and that's not the kind of culture you want to develop. So it is a fine line there. But, I mean, Mitchell Robinson starting over Cantor, like if Cantor accepts that role, like outwardly and publicly accepts that role, then that kind of that kind of starts its own culture, right? Where, where players are accepting of, of whatever the, the coach's plan is. Like that's, that's kind of a different sort of culture that you're setting. Yeah. And that, that's going to be interesting to watch, man. Cause I, I think Canner's like really not pleased. This, this guy's becoming a free agent. He wants to get paid again. He thinks he's an all-star level player. Um, it, and you, you see it more in his eyes now. You see sad puppy dog Cantor on the bench almost being like, Mitchell Robinson starts in front of me? Um, and that, that can become very toxic. He's a really proud guy. And yeah, there's no question. He is, he is definitely down about this. Like you see it in his body language. And he probably looks at his stats after the game and he's just like, how am I not starting? Like, look at right. my numbers. I just put up a... 23 24 and 7 game like give me back my starting spots so i i understand where he's coming from too um and i think that someone just needs to put together a tape of him just getting burned on defense <laughs> over and over again. you might you might have to be the hero this city needs tom um what uh anything you you need to get off your chest before we jump to next week um no i i think i've already kind of hammered the knicks enough i don't want to say anything too depressing. I actually, I have one more stat that's not going to make you happy. Do it, baby. I'll just do it. It's the, the Knicks give up the most wide open threes per game and the highest percentage of wide open threes per game of anybody in the league. And I wonder if that is like a product of coaching or like defensive scheme. It's just something to look out for going forward. I don't think that these guys are like not hustling, not getting out on shooters. Right. Um, so I just wonder whenever you see those like dead last or top of the league, like I just always look into those areas. Why, why would that be? And so just, I I want you to look out for it. Why are they giving up so wide open, so many wide open threes? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one to watch for. Cause it, it does feel tonight they looked flat and it it was what it was, but I feel this, this might've been the first game that that's really happened. And I don't know, man. It's got to be youth, Tom. Think about how young this team actually is. Um, and, I mean, that's 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 kind of what NBA defense is now. It's becoming very much, you know, knowing knowing your defensive rotation and where where where's the ball going to be in two passes, not where it's at right now. And I have to feel like, you know, Trier, again, he's putting out the effort, but I, I don't think his defense is anywhere close to where it needs to be. Um, and then you basically just go around the horn with those young guys. And yeah, but no, that's a, unfortunately, that's a great stat, Tom. <laughs> well, it's definitely, it is a product of, of just getting more reps too. You got to get, got to see the different looks and, and figure out what you're doing on a, like, it's a lot of pick and roll coverage. So you're, you're right. I think, I think youth does play a huge factor here. All right. Well, this upcoming week, we have a little road trip, Tom Bone. Uh, we're going 
at OKC Wednesday, a return for young Enos. I'm sure he'll be – well, actually, no. I, I, I was going to say he was going to be talking junk, but I, he's, he's still he's, – he's Team Russ. He's, he's against KD, so he'll probably be growing out with his old buddies. Um, we're at New Orleans Friday. Uh, shout out, Miritich. Um, and then we're back, revenge game against the Magic, hopefully. Um, any Anything that jumps out about these games or something we should be looking out for? Well, I noticed your shout out to Miritich. What was that about? Dude, he's been balling. He's um, good. He's good. It's, uh, I, I was laughing and they, uh, you know, now we're talking Pelicans, but they've got this funny three big man rotation with Miritich, Julius Randle, and Anthony Davis, obviously. Miritich is averaging 20 and 12, Tom. Yeah, that's one of those surprising things if you haven't been like following box scores that, that or league pass in general. That's that's pretty wild. Um, I've actually always liked Julius Randle and his game, and I, I've seen some, some prominent Knicks Twitter folks say that he'd be a great fit alongside Porzingis. Like, he's the type of big man who is, like, big and strong and aggressive and and he can shoot a little bit, but he's also just like a, a wrecking ball to kind of yeah. Porzingis' more finesse game. Could you, you can picture Julius Randle kind of running in someone's chest and then kicking out to Chris Stapps in the corner. Um, yeah, and this – I let's be honest. The the Pelicans, they, they're telling themselves they're f- fighting for a playoff spot in the West. OKC is is in the fix of things and one of the hottest teams in the NBA. So <laughs> I don't want to, you know, uh, put put nail and hammer some wood over the windows. But this next week could get up. I mean, there's no way they lose to the Magic again after that performance. Like that. That's in Orlando, happen. Tom, at the Amway. You're right. Teams don't come out of there live. I've, I've, we've all been to Amway. <laughs> a row, the rowdy Amway Center. Hey, they kicked our ass tonight. Good, good for you, Magic. But get out of here. We're all, we're done with you. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess the point guard thing is is what I have circled right now, Tommy. I I, I need to see who's getting the minutes in these games, and if it's if it's matchup driven, is it by just who's playing well? Or I, I kind of need to get my head around the game plan there more. Well, Russell Westbrook will be a great uh, barometer there. See who, God. who, who D's him up uh, for the most. I mean, you're not putting Trey Burke on him. Jesus. Um, I guess Frank, Frank is probably too thin. Like he's probably not strong enough. Moutier has got a big enough body to guard him, but he's also not good at defense. So, yeah, the, the, it, it could get ugly there. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the point guard thing is interesting. I think that was also one of the things we were looking at to, to start the season. So it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, whoa. Whoa. Deep. Is that Robert um, Frost? <laughs> don't we have a huge Orlando Magic fan who, who follows We him? do. Matt, Magic Sam, he's a, he's a fan. Yankees, and he, he follows our, our stuff pretty well. And I, I've become friends with him. Um and yeah, I uh, we, we have a. I said if if the Orlando Magic sweep this back to back set, that I would learn a magic trick, um, which doesn't <laughs> sound like much punishment. I get that. Um, I I'm not a big Tom. I, I don't want to go too dark here. I've I've had some bad exchanges with magicians in my day, and it, it's not something I enjoy. 
Man. So that's an actual punishment for me. I would love to hear about those exchanges with the magicians. I don't know if we have time for it on this pod or if we have to do like a separate bonus podcast where you talk about magic. <laughs> I'll, I, I got a quick hitter. I'll, I'll let it out before, before we call this. Went to a bar one night. The bar was kind of dead. This guy was in a full suit. It was like a college bar. And he was going around doing magic tricks. And I had one too many. And he was only doing the magic tricks for the hot girl. So he was there. He got dressed up in a suit and brought his magic tricks to go hit on girls for the night. And that just pinched a nerve for me. So I was like, hey, guy, you know, the boys want to see some tricks over here. And he's like, oh, no, I'm kind of doing my thing. I was like, no, I want to see some magic. So then he came over and we had like an angry exchange. So then he started doing a trick for me. I like... He said, pull one card. I pulled like five. I'm the asshole in the story, and I know this, Tom. You are very much the villain in this story. Like I, I didn't like the fact that he dressed up and brought magic to the bar to hit on chicks. I'm sorry. For me, that's the same thing. If, if, you're, a, if you're a successful business guy and you're going, yeah, you know, I, I, make, I make 500K and I drove my Ferrari to the bar. That, I'm putting those in the same boat. But, Jake, how is it any different than in your single days – when you would go to the bar and, and you would tell jokes, you'd be the funny guy. That's your magic. Hey, oh, hey, oh, I don't, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I thought you were going to say my, I thought you were going to say my sexy dance. Mode. I was going to say, or you're dancing. I was, that was the next thing I was going to say. It's the same thing. That's all magic to the rest yeah, of us. I, I can see how that could bring up jealousy. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's off my chest. Man, I can't believe he was doing angry tricks for you. I've never seen a magician angrily do a magic trick. That uh, is amazing. There's a good Pat and Oswald stand-up about that, too, where a guy gets... I, I won't do the whole thing. Look it up, Pat and Oswald magic. I think, uh, Tom, I, th I think we've talked Nick's, we've talked magic. Um, unless you, you've got anything, I, I think we, we wrap this up. I am out of stats. No more cards up my sleeve. Oh, boy. <laughs> Noodle, cut it. Um, that's it from Talking Nicks this, way, this week. Tommy Piccolo, uh, always bringing, bringing the noise. Check out his article tomorrow. That's on B-Bell Index, Tom. That's right. We'll, uh, we'll be tweeting that out. If you've been listening, rate, subscribe, follow. I keep joking about a T-shirt giveaway. Write, write a review. Five stars. Write something silly in the re review. Write something about magic. And you're going to be entered to win a free Talking Nick shirt. So write a review. If you follow us on at Talking Nick's pod, do that. You're eligible for a shirt. Um, go Nick's. Nick's tape. Hit him. Hit him, Tom. Nick's tape? Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. 